Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. It's Falltober. (laughs) I know you're psyching yourself up for it, aren't you? So good. Listen, uh, my name is Ross Parsley. For those of you who don't know, I'm the lead pastor of One Chapel. So grateful to be worshiping with you today, especially on this significant day where we're reaching into the community in a way that we don't, don't normally do, but gives of our time and our attention and our energy and our love to host this region, to have fun and to witness that Jesus is more than who they might think he is. That's what's behind all the work, behind the Ferris wheel, behind all that is that fundamental premise. So I'm glad you're here today and um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into the message. Are you ready to study the scripture? Yes. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your wisdom and guidance. We thank you for your word that opens up before us as we share it together. And Lord, I pray that you would just reveal yourself in the middle of it. Teach us, train us, encourage us challenge us and help us obey in Jesus name. Amen. So there's this rich guy who was near death, right? And he's, and he's really upset because he has worked so hard for his money. He's worked so hard for everything he's gotten. He wants to take it with him to heaven. So he began to pray that he might be able to take some of his money when he goes to heaven, when he dies. And an angel hears, hears his plea and, and appears to him and he says, sorry, but you can't take your money with you. You can't take your wealth with you. It doesn't work that way. And the man just implores the angel, would you please speak to God to see if he could just bend the rules a little bit for me? And so the man continues to pray, but the, the angel reappears and informs him, informs the man that God has indeed made an exception and he can take one suitcase with him. Overjoyed, the man gets his stuff and he gets his largest suitcase and fills the suitcase with gold bars. Places it beside his bed and soon afterward, soon after he does this, the man dies. And he shows up at the gates of heaven, the pearly gates. And there St. Peter Seeing the suitcase says, hey, wait a minute. You can't bring that in here. And the man explains, no, 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 St. Peter. I've got permission. Like like I got special dispensation. And you just need to verify the story with the Lord. And sure enough, St. Peter checks and comes back saying, you're right. You are allowed one carry-on bag. But I'm supposed to check its contents before letting it through. So I'd like you to open up the suitcase. St. Peter opens this suitcase to inspect the worldly items that this man has thought too precious to leave on earth. And as St. Peter opens the suitcase, he exclaims, you brought pavement? Some of you are like, over lunch, you'll be like, I got it. The streets are paved with gold, right? Okay. The question I want you to answer today for your life, for your heart is, what are you taking to heaven? What is going to heaven with you? Think about that for a minute because we're in the middle of this annual series where we focus on leaving a legacy. 
And this year we're calling this series All That Matters because the truth is there's a lot of things that don't really matter. Netflix, I know you're really attached to that show. Netflix don't really matter. Social media doesn't really matter. Football, maybe, I mean, especially UT football. I mean, it just doesn't matter. The season just went bye-bye. It just, last night, it was, it was it. Sadly. But here's the thing. There are things that really do matter, and we've got to highlight those things. We've got to understand what those are. What we would call legacy. What does legacy mean? Legacy means living a life that lives beyond me. Living a life that goes beyond just my own way of living. It goes beyond and connects with others. And our theme verse for this series is 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. And I'm going to read it here. It says, command those who are rich in this present world. I want you to underline in your message notes, right? That phrase right there. In this present world. Paul is talking to Timothy here. The apostle Paul. Timothy is a young son in the faith to Paul and he's a young pastor. And he doesn't say, hey, you should suggest to some of the rich people that they be a little nicer. No, he says, command. Everybody say command. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Paul says this to Timothy, command those who are rich. And and, and by the way, that's all of us. You're in the top 1%. Of the richest people on the planet here this morning. That's just the nature of the world we live in. The culture we live in in America. And even though we don't feel like it. Right? We don't feel like this. But listen. Paul says to Timothy. In this present world. So that means there's another world. Oh notice. He says be generous and willing to share. Lay up treasure In this other world, he says, for the coming age, which means there's another age that's coming. Paul introduces this topic here. And and really, Jesus shares this idea throughout the New Testament, this main motivation, the motivation for making a difference in the world. It's one word. It's heaven. Heaven. The main motivation throughout the New Testament for making a difference in this world. And listen, this is a make a difference series. We're talking about how we can more intentionally make a difference. And see, you're not going to spend the vast majority of your life here on, in this world, on this side of heaven. If you think about it, you're actually going to spend the majority of your life On the other side, in heaven, it's called eternal life. 
And your life here on the planet is, if I took a, a, a string and I put it from that wall to that wall and that represented into eternity and I would put a little mark on the string, it would be about this big and that's your life. You could get some perspective of what eternity really is about and you're going to live longer there than you're living here. And you've got to get that idea into your head. But the truth is heaven has gotten a bad rap, hasn't it? Like, like, if you ask people, would you rather go there or would you rather stay here? A bunch of people say, I'd rather stay here. I, I, I like what's going on here. Because, but that's because they really don't understand what heaven is. They really don't understand what it is. They think that we'll all be like playing harps, you know, and we'll be sitting on clouds and listening to a choir and we'll all be kind of like fat baby cherubs, like just, just kind of floating around. Listen, people, that's not heaven. That sounds like hell. <laughs> that doesn't sound that great. But heaven is an incredible place and you want to be there. You want to be there. In fact, whenever I do funerals, I have a, I have a graveside service this afternoon for a sweet lady in our church in Austin. And, and we're going to say goodbye to her. And, we, and, and what we all believe, when you believe in heaven, is you're ministering to the family. It's like, if they, if they get there, they won't want to come back. They don't want to come back. It's an incredible and glorious place where the presence of God dwells. And he's, God is preparing it for us. And what I want you to think about today is there is more to life than this life. More to life than this life. But in our culture, all we think about is now, now, now. I want it now. That's the spoiled little brat on Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory. I want it now. Give it to me now. Instant access. That's what we're all about. To everything, to information, to goods and services. Like if our web page doesn't load fast enough. If we're like, if Amazon package isn't delivered on the day they said. We're obsessed. In fact, we, <laughs> we have hashtags for this kind of stuff. Like this, these kind of ideas. And um, you may remember, <laughs> there was one hashtag from a while back. It was made popular by the rapper, Drake. You guys, most of you probably have him on your playlist. And it's a, it's, it's a, the, the hashtag is YOLO. You ever seen that? Some of you are like, what is that, YOLO? No, it means you only live once. You only live once. And it's kind of like, that seems like a cool idea. It's kind of like interesting and, and it's a little adventurous. And I'm just living once. But here's the tr- problem. You don't just live once. You don't live, just live once. It's actually, it's not helpful to think about living life this way. Living just in the now. So I, today I'm starting a new hashtag. Are you ready for it? Ready? Hashtag YOLT. <laughs> you only live twice. <laughs> You only live twice. It's true. Paul's saying there's another age, another world that we're going to live in. This isn't all there is. And you and I have to get that deep in our souls. If you think you only live once, you'll live a certain way. You'll, you might live a little reckless. You won't care very much about the future. But we really should live with the understanding you only live twice. I think this meme says it best. Jesus himself. You only live twice. Right? He says, you only, you only live once. Just kidding. Be right back. The author of Hebrews 
Let's get to the scripture, shall we? The author of Hebrews says it this way. Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. Everybody say judgment. Ooh, we all say it that way. Judgment. Here's the truth. Here are the facts. You have a death date. Hooray! (laughs) Nothing but good news here this morning. You and I have a death date. You won't be able to escape it. Your body will wear out. There's a day coming for everybody. And when it does, we'll face judgment. In fact, there will be two different judgments. And the first one is the great white throne judgment. And this is where you stand face to face with God and he'll ask you a question. And I don't know exactly what it'll look like. Like Bible scholars don't know exactly, but we'll all have our day in court is what it appears to be in the scripture. We'll all stand before God and he's, gonna, he's not going to ask you about your sin. He's not going to ask you about the stuff you did wrong. He's not going to ask you about how much of the Bible you memorized or how many times did you go to church at one chapel. He's not going to ask you about any of that. He's going to ask you a couple of questions. In fact, these are two different judgments. One's at one judgment, one's at the other's at the next. But the first question he's going to ask you is, what did you do with my son, Jesus? What did you do with my son, Jesus? And here's the thing. He paid the price for you, for your sins, for your failures, for your history, for the stuff you did and the stuff you didn't do. He paid it all. He died on the cross, gave you his grace. It was free. You couldn't earn it. And you're going to want to say at that moment, well, yes, like I received it. I received everything he had and I gave my life back to him. That's what you're going to want to say. And then God's going to say, that's the right answer. Come on in. But then, a lot of people don't realize there's a second judgment. A second judgment, a second place in scripture where God talks about the life that you lived here. And it won't determine heaven or hell for you or me. It'll determine what your heaven actually is like. That's the second question. That's the second judgment. That second question is, what did you do with your life? You received Jesus into your life. You you took him up on his offer to give you a brand new life. Then what did you do with the life that he gave you? Jesus talked about this more than anybody. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. Great white throne judgment, judgment seat of Christ. Here's here's Paul, the apostle, talking about it in this scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Here's how Jesus talked about it in Matthew 16, 27. He says, for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward. Everybody say reward. 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 There's a reward he's bringing with him. He says he will reward each person according to what they have done. So he says, so Jesus says, I'm going to pay you back. Like that seems like a weird concept, right? I'm going to pay you back. But the truth is, we have to understand that for every person teaching kids upstairs today, Jesus is watching. For the people making coffee today before you came in, Jesus is noticing. For the group leaders 
who invited people over to their house or met with people. Jesus is keeping a record of that. For the people who set up today and who will tear, tear down, like, like they'll, they'll, they'll tear down all this stuff at Falltober. Jesus is preparing a reward. For the people around the world who give their lives away, Jesus is watching and he says, I'm going to pay you back for how you lived and how you served. And we'll think, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't deserve that. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, like, I'm not worth it. And he says, too bad. This is my world. These are my rules. This is the way it is. I want to reward you. Jesus talks about this as motivation for how we should live in this life. He said, he said and think about this. You're going to have this moment with me, is what Jesus says. And I'll say, I know what you did with me and what you did what did you do with your life and, and how will you, you answer this question? Jesus is going to stand there. He's going to ask you. And I want you to think about that. How would you answer that today? What did you do? What are you doing with your life? This is such an important idea in the Bible that it is a concluding thought at the very end of the scriptures in Revelation, the last chapter, 22. Look, I am coming soon, Jesus says. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I'm coming sooner than you think, Jesus is saying. And I'm bringing the reward for you. I can't wait. Jesus is so excited. Listen, as your pastor, I have a responsibility to prepare you for that moment. That's what we're doing here. That's why we're talking about this. Here are some ways I want you to think about in preparing for this moment. How should I think about this life that I have? Well, here's a way to think about it. I'm just passing through. I'm just passing through. You don't really live here like like this. We're all just passing through. There's something on the other side of this life. And if you're going going through a hard time today, I want to encourage you that you're just passing through. It's hard, I know. But you're on your way. We are all strangers. We are aliens. This is all temporary. It's an important concept to remind ourselves and to remind each other, don't settle for this life Don't put everything you've got into this life. Don't live it for everything that's here. Think about there. The Bible kind of has harsh language for people who live without that thought. The Apostle Paul again in Philippians 3, 18, he says, For as I have often told you before, now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But then he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior From there, the Lord Jesus, who will come back to this place, Paul tells these believers in in the little colony of Philippi. And he says, he says, I'm coming back to get you. You got to remember who you really are. I know you feel like slaves of Rome. You feel like a Roman colony where you're depressed and oppressed. But no, Jesus, you're citizens of heaven. And Jesus is coming back to get you. One of the reasons I don't get too hung up about all the politics and discussion and the divisiveness of our time is I know I'm a citizen of the United States, but that's not my most important thing. I'm a citizen of heaven before I'm a citizen of the U.S. 
As much as I appreciate the, the, the country we live in, I don't have to get all bent out of shape over all that stuff. I don't have to like type in my Facebook. <laughs> By the way, just so no, just, just, just new, newsflash, it doesn't work. It doesn't convince anybody, just so you know. <laughs> See, we're called to something higher, something greater, something more intentional and more impressive than arguing about politics. If you're trying to live for the now and what you want, your mind is in the wrong place. Our citizenship is there, not here. And that's pretty tough for those who are really enjoying life right now. You, you like your job. You got a nice car. You live out here in Briarcliff. Mmm. This is good. Doesn't get any better than this. It's hard to remember who you're supposed to be. Sometimes in the hall of faith chapter in the Bible, it's Hebrews 11 verse 13. I'll read it in the message Bible. The writer describes this idea. He says, each one of these people of faith, he's talking about in the history of the old Testament. He says, they died not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance, waved their greeting and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. If they were homesick for the old country, they could have gone back anytime they wanted. But they were after a far better country than that heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. Do you see it? He's looking for people who won't settle for here, but look to there. Another way to think about it is my time on earth is short. My time on earth is short. There's a lot of language in the scriptures that tells us it's short. Many of us don't feel like it's true. No, everything seems like it's taking a long time. But in light of eternity, all this is just going to feel like a weekend. Like a quick weekend that was over too fast. I got five kids and the older I get, the more this is happening to me. Like, like, it's like, it's like, I remember having my firstborn baby. I remember where I was. I remember being there in the hospital and there he, there he was. And he was nine pounds, eight ounces. I know. I remember my last one who's 12 years old now. Get this. He was 10 a pounder, 10 pounds, 10. I'll never forget it. I put him on the scale and there he was 1005. The whole room erupted like this woman is awesome. But it's happening more quickly. I just, a few months ago, I held for the first time my grandbaby, my first grandbaby. Her name is Georgia May Wild. Just look at her. Look at her. So incredible. And it's like, my life is a weekend. It's gone. James 4.14 says, why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. He says, your life is like, like a mist. When you s- spray this mist, you know how you spray a mist in the bathroom to try to cover up the smell? It's like a mist. It just, and then it goes away and then the smell's still there. Listen, listen to me. If you think you have a lot of time here, then you'll tend to squander what you have unwisely. It's how it always works. That's uh, uh, procrastinators. I'm, I'm like the president of the club, 
right? Like, oh, I got plenty of time. Oh, I can get that done. The more time you have, the more you put things off. That's human nature. But if you think you only have a little time, then you're more careful. You're more intentional. You spend wisely. Psalm 90, 12 says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. It's a reminder. Our time is short. Another way to think is I must make the most of every opportunity. I must make the most of every opportunity. Listen, listen, everybody. Listen, church. This is a test. This life is a test. There's something longer and more incredible on the other side. And we have to get that deep into our souls. There are opportunities all around us. It's really important that we look around. Most of us are looking down. We're not not looking around as we walk the street or we're not thinking about our family members and we're just kind of focused and we have this tunnel vision. We're not thinking about what's going on in the people around us at work. We're just laser focused on getting our thing done. There will be opportunities that you will never get back in this life. Ephesians 5, 15 says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most, everybody say the most, the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And this word opportunity in the Greek is kairos. Kairos, which is different than chronos. Chronos is like actual time, but kairos is like this idea. It carries the idea of a window, like there's a window of time and it opens an opportunity and then it closes. Here it is. It opens and then it closes. And bad stuff can happen for sure. But when you see the window of opportunity to help, when you see the window of opportunity to do something, you got to take advantage of it. You got to make the most of every opportunity. So we do everything we can to do what matters and spend less time on stuff that doesn't matter. And don't, for, don't confuse these two things, by the way. Jesus paid for your sins. The question about judgment, the question about judgment on you is settled. But what is not settled yet is how you spent your life and what you poured yourself into. Right? Jesus, Jesus has done it all for you. Look to him. Respond with love. Don't respond with duty, not with obligation, but with a response of love. You gave me this life. Now I got to give it to you because I want to, not because I have to. 1 Corinthians 3.13 says, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. And the fire, the fire is like a test. What goes through the fire to the other side? What lasts to the other side? What in your life is going to last for heaven to take with you? What's going to last in the church that we share together here? What's going to last? These chairs are beautiful. Chairs aren't going to (laughs) last. This building is beautiful. This building is not the thing that matters or describes the most important thing even though we need this building to worship God. I'm so jealous of this building, as I said to you last week. And that's why I think God is going to give us more buildings. But listen, we got to see the reason for the buildings. It's something more important. It's it's stuff that's going to remain once it's tested by fire. It's discipleship. It's helping people. It's missions. It's sending the gospel into our city. This fire is going to show what really has value as it goes to heaven. And if it shows up there, the work has survived. So what should I do with my life? What should I do? Let me give you a few quick practical ideas. Number one, look up and not down. 
Look up and not down. Keep your eyes on God. Eternity, heaven, not here on earth. Don't get enamored with your job or your money or your vacations or your stuff. Don't get enamored with your kids. Your kids are beautiful. Don't get consumed by them. Get consumed with Jesus himself and you will have plenty of motivation to invest in your children. I promise. Sometimes we get consumed with our kids and they become the idol in our lives and we live everything for them. And then we teach them how to be spoiled because we fixate too much on them. Be careful. Be careful. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your mind on things above. Hebrews eleven twenty five through 26 says he, Moses, chose to be mistreated. Check this out. Along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Listen, we got we to gotta understand that redemption is on its way. Jesus is coming back and he will bring a new heaven and a new earth that's nothing like we've ever seen. So look up, look to him, look ahead. Moses was awaiting his reward. That's how we need to live. Number two, give up stuff here for something better there. This is the hard one, by the way. <laughs> This is everybody's difficult one. What? I'm supposed to give up some stuff? Uh. But here's the thing. If all that matters in eternity is eternity, right? If all that matters is, is about eternity, then we got we to gotta make our peace with this. But it's not, just, it's not just a good principle for eternity. It's a great principle for eternity, but it's also a good principle for life. Okay? And think about it. Think about it. Good life principle. If I want a six-pack of abs... Well, that hurts my feelings. <laughs> I have to give up the cookies. I have to give up some time. Sadly, I just love cookies. If I want to retire, I have to save some money. I have to figure out what's really valuable for the future. And so often, friends, so often we trade what is valuable for tomorrow, right? Like, like, like there's pain in it, right? But we put it off to tomorrow. We're trying to avoid the pain today. Like in some ways, Falltober is the perfect example. Think about it. Think about it. This Falltober, a bunch of you are going to work at Falltober. You're going to volunteer. And if you haven't volunteered yet, we still have a few strategic places that need volunteers. <laughs> all right. So, so listen, here's the thing though. We're having a Ferris wheel. There's like all these cars and all this cool games and there's trunk or treat and there's all these, all this stuff that's so cool. It's so fun and music's playing and people are cooking good food. And what are you doing? Taking tickets, dealing with crying, whiny children, <laughs> working behind the, the food to make it happen, making sure people have what they need. Your feet will hurt by the end of the day. Why? Because it's not for you. It's for them. 
It's the perfect metaphor for how you have to think of it. Embrace the pain of today for what's really valuable tomorrow. So many people, they avoid the pain of today and they just medicate it. And they try to put off the pain till tomorrow. And it always ends badly for them. All the investors in the room know what I'm talking about. They've given the speech over and over again. You got to start now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will also be. Some of you are like wondering why the people around you have a better relationship with God than you do. Could it be that your, your heart's been sucked into the treasures of this world? That that's where your heart's gravitating towards? Jesus is saying something profound here because he says, wherever your treasure is, they're the desires. See, wherever, whatever you value, wherever that treasure goes, your heart's gonna follow that treasure. So whatever you value most, that's where your heart's gonna live. Some of you, your hearts are, might be in your houses or your hearts might be in your kids or your hearts might be in, in the career path that you're on. But listen, your heart's desire will follow the stuff that you value. So I'm trying to get you to see that heaven is worth valuing above all else. Let your heart gravitate to Jesus. Let your heart gravitate to him and give up something here for something better there. Finally, number three, set up, step up. And make a difference. Step up and make a difference. That means decide. Everybody say decide. You have to make a plan. Making a difference doesn't happen automatically. You're like not walking down the street. I tripped and made a difference. It's not how it works. Are you guys still with me? Are you just thinking really hard? You have to make a plan for giving financially. You have to make a plan for serving others. You have to make a plan to zero in on a friend that you're going to bring to feature presentation. You have to intentionally make a difference. It doesn't just happen. So here's three ways I want you to be intentional. Ready? Share resources. Share what you have. Don't be selfish. In fact, I want you to intentionally give. You say, you say to yourself, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to give. And I'm going to, and I, here's what I want you to really do. This is what I want everybody at one chapel. I want them to do these three things in the way they become givers. I want you to become a priority, percentage, and progressive giver. Here's what I mean. Priority. Make giving a priority in your life. Make giving a priority and, and do it in a percentage way. You know what's so beautiful about the Bible standard, the biblical standard for like giving of your, of what you have to the temple or, or to, to the, 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 the church, the percentage means everybody does the same thing. Every, it, it, it hits everybody the same. 10% right? Is the kind of the biblical standard. And some of you are sitting here today and you're like, whoa, I can't, I can't give 10% of my check first and I can't give it to the church. I'm like, I got hungry kids to feed. I get it. But I'm, I want you to see that there's something here where you intentionally decide I'm going to, as a pattern and as a way of life, I'm going to share what I have with others. And it's going to start with God. 
and I'm going to make him priority, and then I'm going I'm to give a percentage basis, and I'm gonna, then I'm going to ask God to help me progressively because I want to give more stuff away because I want to be generous like God. Some of you, if you can't figure out, here's, here's what I would tell you to do. Start with 1%. Like next month, like start with 1%. Don't start today. There's no, off, we already took the offering today. This is not a pressure pitch, right? <laughs> right, right, like, like, like the legacy offering is on December 8th, right? That's one special offering we do all year long. And the reason I'm telling you about it six weeks ahead is because I don't want to manipulate you into this. I don't want you to be moved by your emotions. I want you to be moved by your convictions about who you are as God's people. And so if, you, if, you don't, if you're not used to this, that's okay. It's totally fine. Start with 1%. Then go to 2% the next month. And then go to 3% the next month. And then 4% the next month. And then 5%. You see what I'm saying? By the time you get to 10 months, I promise you, your finances will be totally different in your mind. Most of it will be your perspective. But God will get involved in that process. Because by faith, you've decided, I'm going to make giving my priority. I want, you to, I want you to pray. Here's all I want you to do about the legacy offering. Because we do have buildings to, to purchase and we do have campuses that need to be planted in this region all over the place. I want you to pray and ask God what to give and then do that. It's nothing more than that. We'll give away 10% of everything that you give in that legacy offering. We're going to give it away to people who are in need because that's just what we do. With every dollar that is given, we give it away. So share your resources. Secondly is share my time. You got to share my time. Like this is one of the most sensitive subjects we've got in our culture. Plan to give some time to people who are in need. Plan to give some time to team one. I promise you there's always people who are needed in kids' ministry teaching our kids right now. Don't just come here for you. Come here to give something. Share your time. I put acts of kindness on cards on these chairs, and I want you just to take one of those, and I want you to be thinking about how you can share your time with others. Deliver some fresh-baked cookies to a neighborhood or a co-worker. Babysit for free. Send a note of encouragement to somebody. Do something. Leave a big tip for your server at the restaurant. Help someone you know is struggling financially. There's so many ways you can share your time with people. And then finally, share Jesus. Share Jesus. Statistics tell us that Christians in America don't share Jesus anymore. Because they're afraid. They're afraid of what they'll be called or what people might think they are on the political spectrum. Here's what I would say to you. You and I have to find ways to share Jesus in our daily lives. And what I would encourage you to do in terms of church is like an extension of that. And we don't, I don't, we don't put too much pressure to get people to come to church with you, but we believe in something called two out of 52. Everybody say it. Two out of 52. 50 Sundays a year, you come, you worship God, you share Jesus in your community, but two times a year, you ought to take the risk. Have the adventure of having somebody sit right next to you and your heart's beating. It's like, oh, Pastor Ross, don't screw it up. You gotta, yeah, I hope, the, I hope the weird person doesn't sing loud, 
right? Like, like there's so many things you're like, oh, what's, what, could, what could go wrong in a service? It's always going to happen when you've got your friend sitting right next to you. But if, but think about that. So you pray more, you're more invested, you lean in in a better way. And when that person has an encounter with Jesus sitting beside you, it'll change everything. It'll make you think differently. You'll be so grateful. It'll be the best Sunday of the year for you. And so that's what feature presentation is. Like that's, listen, we, we swim all over the pool. We swim in the shallow end and we swim in the deep end. That's what feature presentation. The movie stories, it's a deal, right? Like some of you aren't that excited about it because you like the scriptures. But here's the thing. This, this season, this little series, that's not for you. This little series is a little time in the calendar where we go to the shallow end of the pool and we bring people in and say, look, the water's okay. Because here's how it works. Because, because don't forget, the purpose of our church is to help people learn how to swim. But you can't throw them in the deep end. <laughs> you, can't throw, that, you can't do that first. Right? Like, so, so there's a thing. You bring some people to church and, and the movie thing is such a f- profound idea. Because there has always been this thing with unchurched or far from God people. They can hear the story of the Bible better through stories they already know. Jesus did this. They're called parables. And movies are our modern day parables. And we're just taking the story that people know and helping them to see Jesus in it, helping them to see the Bible in it. And if the Bible has this story in it, maybe it's worth trusting. Maybe I should, maybe I should think about following Jesus. And there's this intercut teaching within these movies that we're going to show. And it's going to be so much fun. I mean, how can you not love church with popcorn and Coke? It's going to be so good. So it's one of the best opportunities, December 10th through, uh, sorry, November 10th through December 1 is when we're going to do this. It's just four weeks and I want you to pray about who you're going to invite to church. Some of you are like sitting here and you're like, why are you pushing so hard, Pastor Ross? It's because I've settled it. Eternity is what I'm living for. I want you to live with me. I want us to live together on this mission. Close your eyes, bow your head. I want you to just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And I want you to be able to just sense the conviction of God's spirit in your own heart. There's two groups of people probably here this morning. One group is uh, kind of trying to settle that first question. Should, should I really follow Jesus? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm ready, but here in this Message and in this service today, you like, yeah, I, I realize I'm not following him. And I need to give him everything. I need to receive him and his work in my life. And if you're willing to do that today, I'm going to pray with you after we, after we worship for a moment. And there, there's a second group of you probably that more, more people in this group And that is, I I know Jesus. I'm settled in my faith. What I need is a greater motivation to love people. Greater motivation to to serve, to make a difference, to, to live beyond myself. 
I need Jesus to do a work in my life. And you're sitting here and you're like, yes, that's me. I want, while the van leads us in worship, I just want you to sit and I want them to begin to lead you. And when you're ready, you just, you stand. When you're ready, when, as, a, as a way of saying, Jesus, I'm all yours. But I want you to think about it. I want you to pray about it. I want you to just have a few moments with God. Let's worship together and then we'll pray.